Before we get going today, here's a quick call out to any indie podcasters out there listening. We're trying to grow our show, and we're sure you are too. If you have a 30-second spot you'd like us to play, we're happy to do it. Send a link to your clip to bigbalancepodcast at gmail.com to get featured. Let's grow together in 2022. We can't do everything at once, be everywhere at once, or shoulder the weight of the world alone, but man, do some of us sure try. And to those people, I gotta ask, how's that constant feeling of frustration going? In truth, we all need to get a little bit better at this thing called delegating responsibility. Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day. So welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Brian, and I'm here with John. John, how are you? I'm doing well. How you doing, Brian? I am good. And to start off today, one quick shout out uh, before we get too far into a couple other shows. One is Drunk Theory. The other is Designated Quizzers. I listen to them. I also engage with them from time to time on the social medias. And anybody who hasn't heard of them, go out, give them a listen. They're great. But they both have a thing they do. And I want to know, John, if you like this idea. But they both have a drink of the episode, like a mixed drink that they'll drink on the show that's thematically related sometimes. Well, pulling the curtain back, I usually have a beverage of choice when we when we have conversations. I, I, I don't know if I would say it's going to be a mixed drink, but odds are likely it's a beer. I feel like I usually have a beer, but that doesn't feel fancy. That's not podcast fancy. Who said we have to be fancy? Can't we just... I don't uh, know. Be, be uh, followers of the trend, right? Do you have a beer right now? I do. I do, actually. Well, what, surprise, what are you drinking? Surprise. Uh, I'm drinking Levante. Uh, they're a brewery based out of Westchester, and they are excellent. So I'm drinking um, one of their fruited sours. So very tasty. Well, I am drinking berry-flavored LaCroix sparkling water, which is not fun or amazing. But that's all I got. So we're, we're new at the drink thing during the episode. We'll get better at it. Maybe have something something better come down the pipeline. Do a little know. splash of a spirit in there with it. Yeah. Yeah. For this episode, I'm doing random vodka people left at my house over a party and sparkling water. That's my thing. There you go. It works. Hey, that's vodka water, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so those are my two recommendations for anybody listening. If you ever get bored of us, God forbid, Drunk Theory and Designated Quizzers, check them out. Great shows. But that's that's that, and I don't actually have anything I was uh, planning on leading off of into our topic intro <laughs> today. I don't know if you have any any uh, good foreshadowing words you could do. Oh yeah, yeah. Good luck, right? Oh wait, wait, wait! I just I just got it. Me even asking you that is delegating that authority to you. Wow! Look at that. Wow! I just I just pulled that out of nowhere. That actually worked really and well. And in the world's best lead-in today, we're going to talk about delegation. No one person's an island. It takes a village. And maybe, just maybe, the real magic was the friends we made along the way. Pick your proverb, they're all telling you the same thing. Life can be challenging, and none of us can do it alone. 
The problem is, we're bad at asking for help, personally or professionally. We don't all need to be the rock star superhero all the time, and honestly, we'll burn out if we keep trying to be the one-person solution to all of life's challenges. So how do we get better at asking for help and getting other people to lean on us when needed? I didn't even plan that, but yeah, that, uh, that way. and the best part, I didn't actually let you even try to come up with something. I just went, oh, no, I got it again. No, I figured it out. Which is actually also part of the episode as well, which is failing to delegate, which I also just did. So both of those were perfect foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, let's kick off. Uh, first, by defining what it is we mean when we say to delegate, just because it was an English word, but I feel like it's kind of fallen with half a foot in the door of being business jargon. So when I say to delegate, it's essentially I'm trusting someone else to do a thing and essentially be my agent in making sure that thing gets done. Relatively simple. Assigning someone a task is a great example of a manager delegating you work, right? Right. They have a number of people under them. They find the person who has the right skills and abilities for whatever that task is. Have that person do it. It's essentially just having somebody do a job and you facilitate them as your job, right? Supporting them in doing the job that requires their skills. And the best people leaders are the ones who really focus on clearing away barriers and letting people get their job done and ideally staying out of the way themselves. But as we all know... Not everybody who manages people is necessarily good at it. And one of the places a lot of people fail is micromanaging. That's where our story today comes in. So I've worked with a certain individual on a few occasions, not my direct boss, but above me in the chain of command and in charge of some of the projects that I've worked on. Now, at this person's level, they should be focused on maintaining higher level vision for our client relationships and where their program is going. Yet, what do they spend a lot of their time doing on at least several occasions? Rifling through my PowerPoint presentations and making these little formatting changes on my slides. And I have a couple big problems with this. First, I'm kind of awesome and a treasure to work with and i'm not an expert at powerpoint but i'm pretty damn good and i'd go as far as to say i'm better than a lot of people that i work with at least that aren't in charge of building visual things as their day job like marketing you can tell brian is very passionate about this because we had to edit in the little beep into the episode i don't even think i curse that much on this show but uh you don't. don't but that was that was a pretty pretty hard one so Folks, yeah, strap yourselves this in. Is, this is a this is a don't touch my stuff yeah. moment. <laughs> this is my stuff. Yeah, it's my stuff, and I'd like to think that I'm I'm okay. Actually, fun side note uh, for anybody who's admiring our show's cover art, uh, or maybe laughing at it. That cover art is built entirely using PowerPoint shapes, and I feel like at some point we should probably get professional design help. Maybe it's a 2022 thing. I don't know. I'm going to set a deadline right now. If you're listening to this post-June of 2022, that means we've already updated the cover art. So it's no longer applicable. You just drew a giant line in the sand there, buddy. I did. And guess what? We're sticking (laughs) to that deadline now. Wow. God help us all. We have audio proof. (laughs) Joke's on you. Nobody's going to be listening to this that long. So we're not going to live up to it. Actually, I can't say that. Andy got mad at me. Andy says we're too self-deprecating and we can't make fun of ourselves anymore. That's no, that's that's false. That's that's false. He says it's bad for yeah. our brand. 
with our brand? I mean, with, uh, again, with this we stuff with him. We, we have him come on as a friend, and suddenly he's taking ownership? He's very invested. <laughs> yes. Which I'm like, wh- where did this come from? I will say, he, he does listen to a lot of the episodes, too. So That's funny. At least he's a, he's a consistent listener. But anyway, I digress. That's my first point. My second point, and really to get at the heart of the matter here, this person, again, they're above me in the chain of command and have better things to do with their time. So how are you going to guide the long-term strategy of your group, of the company, when you're down here in the weeds with me shifting around slide elements? It doesn't work that way. Finally... Look, it's one thing to do all of these things when we have downtime. It's still annoying to me personally, but whatever. Make it work for yourself if you want to. Spend some after-hours time if you need. But a lot of these projects that we have are under the gun. And I think I speak for probably most of America these days where people are short-staffed because you have people jumping ship. We don't have time to hem and haw about slide concepts. You're actively hurting the team by wasting that time. Well, to echo your sentiment, why are you still caught up in the weeds to where you're not focusing on more strategic decisions? And to be honest with you, talking with people above my level, why are you slumming it down here with me? Slumming it down. Right. Oh, my God. You know who's calling me right now? Andy. Are you serious? <laughs> I want to talk about the show that we just recorded, him and I. Oh, geez. It's just, it's just ironic that we <laughs> speak the devil and he shall appear. Oh, well. I'm going to let it go to voicemail. I'll talk to you later, Andy, I promise. I have had instances very similar to yours, Brian, where somebody who was a much higher level than I am, somebody who has no business worrying about slide design for an internal project. Let's let's make sure that's in bold type right there. It was an internal project that we probably shouldn't have spent more than 20 minutes on, and we spent over two hours fixing slide design after hours one day. And after hours is, again a very subjective term, but it was after five o'clock and we're working on a slide deck that I didn't really care about. The other problem with that, and I think it's maybe more internal projects, but it can be anything. You get so in the weeds with the tiny little microscopic changes that eventually it's like, well, why are we on version 11 of this slide when version five probably would have done just fine it's you lose sight of the forest for the trees doing these changes over and over and over again right and how often do you end up at a spot you were before you you make a complete circle and end up doing the first design (laughs) you did i swear i i bet that happens more often than we realize because by the time we hit version 11 we forgot what version 3 looked like and we're just going back to our roots going back to basics and repeating it I, i guarantee you we do probably all of us do and I'm, I'm going to say this isn't just a work thing. It's not even something that I encounter. It's something that I also do. I'm not immune to it. So I do want to give two other really quick short stories to, to demonstrate that as well um, on the home side. I have a very specific way that I arrange my dishwasher. And this is going to make me sound like an anorectentive crazy person. But it gets my goat every time my wife loads it in any other way. And why does it bother me? No idea. But I have just this this tick in my brain where I will go back and reorganize it after she loads the dishwasher. And it's a little bit weird. I don't know if, John, do you have anything like that? I've been on the other side of that. And as somebody who <laughs> has seen their, their work rearranged, it discourages you from doing the work in the future. And you kind of just say, well, they, they're going to do it themselves that way anyway. So why do I care? 
Yeah, and that's, I think, one of the big risks here. We talked about this being a time waste, and that's definitely one thing, but it's also damaging to relationships, right? It's basically that person's telling you, I don't really trust you to do this right, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it myself, even if we don't feel that way. And you end up throwing your hands up saying, I don't care, I'm done, I'm disengaged. So as somebody who's on the receiving end of that, you really don't give an S by the end of it. Look at you being a lot more reserved in your cursing than me. I don't have to bleep you out or anything. I did that last time, too. I said the S hits the fan. And the second example I have, I actually have a clip for that I want to play. And it comes down to this show, talking about Andy again. I can be very overbearing when it comes to recording and editing these episodes. That occasional guest host, Andy, uh, will get fed up with a lot of the direction that I give him. Although, I think they're valid criticisms. And as an example, he has this habit, he'll always start a phrase with, you and I talked about dot, 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 before actually saying what we talked about. And it's, in the moment, seems fine, but hearing it over and over and over again, it's it just grates at my mind. So I put together this supercut of all the times in a single episode he did this. I want to play that now. Define for us what exactly is going on right now. I told you today. I mean, we've talked about it. A while back, you and I had the conversation. Right, and we had actually spoken about that before. You know, I've had this conversation uh, with my in-laws. You know, I'm like, well, you know, we we had talked about this. And I'm going to give you a concrete example. Right. You and I have talked about this before. I know you and I have talked about it before. And I think I was joking about this with somebody else, too. All right, well, that's everything I got. Anything you want to leave off on? Putting me on the spot. I don't mind being put on the spot. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I thought... I, I, I did that solely for the purpose of shaming him into recognizing why I hate it. That's uh, that's some of your finer work, Brian. That is excellent <laughs> editing, and the time and energy you put into that is commendable. Well, I mean, when you think about it, the time and energy I spend cutting them out during editing is You just absurd. saved them somewhere else, right? Yeah, it's... Uh, but imagine an episode of that constantly. It would bother you, wouldn't it? It's not just me. Well, it's... It's pretty self-serving to listen to our own episodes back after they've been edited. So uh, I, I hopefully won't ever have to listen to that over and over again. No. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit more, folks, we do our own editing. So anything you hear, that's us. Yeah, I, I got to imagine do most people at our level probably do. I, oh, at our level, of course. Yeah, doing it myself on a Saturday afternoon. So that's how I spend my free time. Well, you're the, you're the music and sound guy. So you, you probably are much faster than I am at doing it, I assume. I'm, I, well, and part of it also comes from, yeah, I guess I'll leave that part in there. I don't mind the little stumble there. It sounds natural. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting late and I'm bored, so I'm just going to let it slide. Yeah. So anybody out there who is either an overbearing person or has an overbearing person in your life, everything we just talked about. It's not a good spot to be in either way. You know, it wastes our time and you're not really going to get a work-life balance if you're constantly wasting that time and deteriorating your own relationships. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk more about how we start fixing this issue, whether we need to learn how to delegate or get others to delegate to us.
So by failing to delegate, we're wasting time by becoming a bottleneck and duplicating work that the people around us could help us with. And we're also essentially telling those people, hey, I don't trust you. I don't think you're doing a great job, whether we mean to come across that way or not. So it's not great for building or maintaining relationships. So what do we do to really convince either ourselves or others to get better at delegating? I'm going to start on the learning to delegate side. So this is for anybody that feels like they got too much on their plate and there are people around them who could help them. They're just not making full use of those resources, of those relationships. And again, that could be work. A lot of times it could be home as well. First step is learning how to ask for help. And it sounds like an easy one, but I think a lot of people have trouble with this. I don't know that everybody really examines at the heart of why. I think a really common surface level reason is, hey, I don't want to be a burden on anybody. And that may be minimally we don't you know, want to have this perception of coming across as needy. But I think a lot of people, if they're being honest with themselves, would realize that they really just don't like giving up control. And I, I know I fall into that camp a lot. And for some folks who are more people managers, I think delegating is a big important part of their job but more so because they feel like they have to and to your point right there brian they don't want to let go of control so they're only delegating tasks that they feel like they're required to delegate where what i think you're saying right now is if you need the help ask folks for the help and what do you say to folks who kind of struggle to let go of that control a little bit i don't know well just to, to kind of reiterate to make sure i understand you're you're basically saying hey you're a people manager but you're really just doing it to check a box, not because you fully believe you should give some. Correct. Yeah. No, it's, that's, I think, very true. Well, I do have a few ideas. We're going to get in that in the second half of this second half. Um, but I think... The, the, the last quarter. Yeah, the, the last quarter of the show. Um, I think there's a few things we could do, but at the end of the day, to kind of foreshadow the very last point I'm going to make, the ball has to be in their court, too. Maybe they're going to listen to the show. That's that's how you do it. You have them listen to this episode, and they can learn from it. That's what you would do. Oh, oh there you go. This is now educational material. Yeah. But, uh, but that's the first thing. Learning to ask for help and understanding the barriers in your own mind that are preventing you from doing it. It's because you feel like a burden. It's because you don't like giving up control. We need to get over that. And we also need to get over our own sense of irrationality. Someone does something different than us. So what? right? It's, it's different. It's not necessarily worse. It's not necessarily bad. And challenge yourself to actually quantify the impact of this quote-unquote meddling by this other person. And for me, to go back to that dishwashing example, if I spend 10 minutes just rearranging it before a run, but I can't actually know my way is better, sensibly just wasted 10 minutes. And even if it did do a better job somehow, like that dish got 3.8% cleaner, still not worth my time. So I, I think we all have a little bit of irrationality that we try to pretend there's logic behind, but there's really not. I think one angle I keep thinking about this topic from is the point of view or perspective of a manager or something like that who is handing out responsibilities and tasks to their their subordinate. But I think there is another angle to that in terms of delegating amongst your own team to somebody who is maybe the same level or lateral from you. And that's the where you said asking help might be a, the big part of it. So I guess the question is, where 
is it asking for help and where is it delegating? But all of that aside, I think one big piece of it too for managers is there's a bit of coaching that's involved too. So when you delegate a responsibility or a task, it should be an opportunity for your subordinates to learn a new skill and for them to apply other skills that they've learned in the workplace and to use that and flex that muscle a little bit. So it's a little bit of letting go of the reins and it's a little bit of setting your team up for success. So part of that is making sure they have ample opportunities to learn while also not micromanaging when they are learning. Sure. And let me take a minute to, to talk myself up and down at the same time. Two different stories. One, let's talk about you and me, right? Again, you used to work with me. We would work sometimes on the same projects. I was never your boss. I like to think that we had a pretty good working relationship because it wasn't just me saying, hey, go do this. I need this from you. Where is that? You know, I think we took a pretty collaborative approach. So when it came to delegating authority, it wasn't just saying, go do this thing I don't really trust you with that was really working together, but recognizing that you had some skill sets and some abilities that would help the process that I was working on, right? That's a good point, and that's a good way to look at it is some folks are going to be managing projects, and they may be the same level as you, but they are going to be delegating responsibilities. So it's a little bit of asking for help while still a little bit of kind of putting the badge on that person as the point of authority for this project. Now let me talk myself down at the same at the same time and same breath. Yeah, go for yeah. it. That's the part I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. So working with John is one thing. John, you're you're a great guy to work with. I'm gonna blow some smoke at you right now. But historically I will say I've had a lot of trouble delegating and letting go to a lot of the interns that I've worked with. And a lot of times if I don't have time to coach and train them throughout the exercise of getting a task done, I don't even want them to try because it's just going to be me redoing the work that they get wrong because they're interns and they don't know better because they're there to learn from me. So yeah, I I do have some trouble uh, delegating in, in those cases. I will admit that. And where is it your inability to properly delegate, maybe not properly explain the task, expect too much of somebody, giving somebody too big of a responsibility? It's kind of running that fine line and and towing that line and is what's going to make your life easier and the intern's life easier in that example. That calculus you just ran, I mean, I'm not a people manager by trade, but if I'm a people manager, everything you just said, that should be in my mind constantly as I'm thinking about the tasks I'm giving out. Who are my people? What skill sets do they have? And this is actually kind of bleeding into the next point I was going to make, which is actually trusting others. Um, but who, who are the people I have? What are their skill sets? How do I leverage those skills? And where they have gaps, what can I do to help them fill them in so they can do what I need? Right? So it's, it's it, I, I don't want to delegate something to somebody who doesn't have the ability but can I help them gain that ability? And now I have a great resource I can work with. That's valuable at that point. I think it's got to come down to a little bit of a gut feeling in that, in that example right there, right? It does. And I think a better example probably of actual professionals, not people that are trying to learn, is working with salespeople, right? I, I work with salespeople a lot. And I have a general impression of the mentality of a salesperson based on those I've worked with and boiling it down. I don't call salespeople lazy. I think they can be some of the the more hardworking people that I know, but they're not at all interested in doing a lick of work that's not very related to closing a deal and getting their commission. And that makes sense. They're paid on commission. That's what they should be focusing on. But that means I don't delegate to a salesperson 
unless there's something I know is very critical to landing a deal. But that puts more strain on me when it comes to preparing for a, a sales pitch to a potential new client. And that's not great for my work-life balance because I'm working late doing things that I could be asking for help with. I think the cynical approach or the cynical response would be they're not lazy, they're entitled, right? <laughs> well, I, a lot of times I guess that's true. Their their role is to sell it. Oh, you guys you guys take care of delivering on it. That's not my thing. That's your, your problem. Thing. You figure it out. Yeah. But I do know there's a lot of people in my organization on the sales side who aren't just good at doing a lot of the prep work for a, a pitch. They also really enjoy it as well. And if I'm not leveraging that, that's on me. And then all of it boils down to my last point, which is have the right team. Everything that we just mentioned presupposes that we do have the right people for the job. That's personally, it's professionally. And if this is true, we need to trust them. And if it isn't, again, figure out a way to teach them so we will be able to trust them. Easier said than done. Very much. But work on that skill. Flex that muscle a little bit, folks. Well, let's go back to... I forget the episodes. Uh, the The name of it, I think, was like "Your Coworkers Aren't Jerks," right? It's like episode four or five, maybe. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's the idea that when we're thinking about relationships, the idea here is it's not a one and done thing. I'm not going to somebody because I need something. A relationship is a long term, growing thing that we're investing time in. So, yeah, if, if somebody's a valuable relationship. Invest the time in growing that relationship. Don't treat them as a throwaway transactional person in your life. It was episode 14, not four. Oh, wow. We actually have a good number of episodes under. I think this is like episode 30-ish by the time this yeah, comes Yeah, this will be 30-ish when you're listening wow. to this, folks. Wow, wow. So let's say instead it isn't us who's having trouble delegating. It's the people in our lives who should be leaning on us few ways to handle this one too. For starters, we need to show that we're interested in supporting something beyond the transactional level. We're not just doing it grudgingly. And I guess if we want to stay in the uncomfortable realm of, I guess, gender stereotypes, think about that uh, stereotypical slacker husband whose wife is running through uh, a list of weekend to-dos and he's sitting there with his eyes glazed over saying, yes, honey, yes, dear. Uh, somebody who's agreeing to do something, but makes it clear he has no vested interest. He's really just there uh, to do what he's told and get it done. We need to show that we're more engaged in that and invested in helping. How do we do that? We want to show that we have a deeper understanding than just following a set of tasks. Things like asking questions. This means going beyond just following that set of steps and asking how these steps fit into this other person's bigger goal. As a quick example, we just wrapped up the holiday season not long ago, and that involves a lot of cooking, a lot of baking to bring over to the relatives' houses as we uh, make our holiday visits. My wife loves baking. She's great at it, and I am less so. And uh, a good division of labor for me is, look, I'll go out and shop for the ingredients. I'll do all the dishes as you're using them up. You focus on working your magic with them. It actually sounds kind of sexist, though, doesn't it? You work your magic in the kitchen. Yeah. Be careful there, Brian. <laughs> but really, it isn't. It's I'm just trying to figure out what I can do to best support and facilitate a process that I'm terrible at. Whatever I can do with my limited abilities. Again, let me be the gopher. Let me go shopping. Let me clean up in the kitchen as you're using the different pots and pans and everything that I don't know the names of that are fancy that I uh, don't know how to bake with because you're good at it and I'm not. Seems like a good division to me. Sounds good to me. But I'm a dummy. 
and she might not trust me to buy the right ingredients. So talking it through, hey, I know this particular kind of, I don't know, cake is your mom's favorite. What ingredients are really key to making it shine? And it shows I understand the importance of my task, even if it is just shopping and it shows that I'm invested and I'm trying to make sure I do the right thing. Uh, From a purely transactional perspective, I guess, we live in an age where she can take a picture and send you a screenshot of the exact ingredient she wants. So there should be no confusion around what is required anymore. You overestimate me, by the way. <laughs> I it's, No, it's because, oh, I need this certain type of cheese from this one isolated region of Tuscany. No, I don't. It's it's there's a lot of crazy ingredients out there that that's a lot especially of work during, for cheese. You're going all the way to Tuscany for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, especially during Christmas, though. Yeah, good, good joke, John. That was, that was good. We're, we're, we're definitely reeling in the audience with that. No, but it's especially during the Christmas season when the stores are packed. I don't want to go out twice. So I, I do want to make sure I'm getting the right Tuscan cheese the first time. OK, remind, what remind, I forgot where at what point I'm on now. So related to that point, build credibility, show we're capable. One of the easiest ways to lose credibility is what we do and how we react when faced with adversity. And just to be very clear, this isn't just advice I have for this show that I'm trotting out for the first time. No, this is advice that I give to anybody who is just starting a career or is just out of school. Picture us working on a task delegated to us and we hit a roadblock. Something's wrong. We don't know how to fix it. What do we do now? Well, the more often we just go back to the person who gave us that task to bail us out, uh, whether that's holding our hand through whatever the solution is or actually taking the task back to finish, the more we're showing, hey, we're not dependable. But challenges do come up, so don't just ask questions or ask for help and leave it at that. Make some assumptions and start asking for validation. Get your mind working through the problem. If you're stumped on a task at work, Don't just ask your boss, hey, how do I fix this? Start by explaining what you think went wrong and what the best course of action might be, what you tried, how it failed, so on and so forth. Show that you're really interested in functioning independently and you're otherwise capable once you learn how with their help. Now, I'll say 90% of the time, those two strategies will clear up most of the issues because most of the times I see someone hesitate to delegate, because they have concerns over commitment or competence. But nothing ever works all the time. Some people are stubborn. So there's always going to be some people who resist delegating, even when it hurts them, and consequently you. So this is where the uncomfortable heart-to-heart comes in as the final strategy. We need to take these people aside, as uncomfortable as that may be, and tell them bluntly, look, I see you struggling, or I see our team struggling. I'm here to help, but you have to let me. Is there something that's stopping you from letting me handle this stuff? Is there something I can do? Because you're just hurting yourself and me slash the team by trying to do it all on your own. We can't keep going this way. Gutsy move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of the advice we give here, actually, I should go back and check the numbers of episodes I end with, go back and have a blunt conversation. It's easier to say it than do it, yeah, but... Unfortunately, in terms of magic bullets, that's as close as you get. Either you get a resolution or you get fired or you get divorced or broken up with. Either way, there's a resolution, if, if not a positive solution. 
So with that, anyone out there having trouble letting go, hopefully you found some ways to loosen up. Anybody who finds themselves in the crosshairs of a micromanager, hopefully you have some ammunition to shoot back with. Either way, hope you got some good strategies here today with us, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.